Hello, and welcome to the Rubber Duck Dev Show. I'm Chris. And I am Creston. And today it's just us, and we are coming to you from the cloud to talk about dropping the cloud. Yep, oh, let's leave ironic. the cloud behind. It's old. It's decrepit. <laughs> okay, well, show over. See you guys. Uh, but before we get into that kind of fun, we can review. How was your week, man? Well, work-wise, it's been a blur because I've been doing tons of consulting and a lot of my clients for my online giving event registration had some giving days. So that was pretty active um, from my app's perspective. And, oh, well, that's an interesting thing that happened. So, so I'll address this and then I'll talk about more business related stuff. So the app was keeping up perfectly fine. It had so many requests per minute coming in. Uh, servers weren't breaking a sweat. Then suddenly I got an alert that the app was down. And this like never happens. Uh -oh. So I'm freak freaking out like, what the heck? And I looked at the request per minute and, you know, if it was a hundred, usually it was suddenly at 6,000. It was basically 60 times the amount of normal traffic. Whoa. Now what's interesting, and I haven't been able to pin down what it was precisely. I mean, I saw some things in the Nginx log, but when I logged into AWS and went to my instances, it wasn't coming up. So like hmm. during this time period, and, and the amount of downtime I think was just over two minutes. So it was a very temporary thing. The servers were all up. It's just they got saturated by 60 times the amount of traffic suddenly happening. Oh, wow. Now, because the fact that the instances wasn't coming up in AWS, like part of me thinks, was there an AWS problem that was queuing traffic? And I, I, I don't know. It was either that or somebody trying to hack the system and cause a denial of service attack. That's the um, only thing I could think of. But, you know, we have controls in place to look for to do rate limiting and maybe it takes about that long for the rate limiting to trigger in when there's that much activity suddenly. Oh, so you think so, there maybe some process just went rogue and started flooding API or something? Well, well, no, no. Cause there was no, it wouldn't have been API related for my yeah. app. It was definitely hitting the regular giving page traffic. Hmm. So either someone was purposefully trying to bring it down and our rate limiting basically shut them off totally, or there was some issue at AWS. I don't know. Or the Hadron Collider went ballistic and yeah, just that's, that's what it, <laughs> that has to be. Higgs boson was all up in your shit. So. <laughs> Business wise. <laughs> so. I had the bad news a couple of weeks ago where basically I'm having to pay thousands more dollars in taxes because of the whole laws that the Congress put in 
But on the flip side, I was actually contacted by the state of Florida to do an audit of a prior year to say, <sighs> make sure that everything's kosher in terms of we're following the regulations that the forms we're filing are appropriate. And so I had to send copies of bank statements and taxes and forms out the wazoo. And they spent like two months plus on it. And I just got the response back just now that said, okay, you're all good. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. In the pre-show chat, we were sitting there. Should I open this before the show? Exactly. <laughs> Should I? Screw it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I was like, oh God, no. <laughs> all right. Before the show. So, so that's some good news, but anyway, yeah. so what, what about you? How's your week been? Well, uh, first of all, Hey Seb. Hey sire. Um, Howdy. we got, um, I've been digging more into the swagger spec, uh, open API 3.1 spec. It's, oh my God, it's so complex. There's a lot of stuff in there. So I'm going through all of our APIs, trying to convert those over to Swagger docs. And there's just a lot of stuff you have to dig into. Um, I didn't, didn't quite know what mountain I was volunteering to climb when I volunteered for this, but, but there it Anything is. Anything where you're, you're having to read specs. Um, that's when I yeah want to check out potentially. Yeah, I, if there wasn't a paycheck involved with this, I would have checked out, but, you know, hey, well, I volunteered, so there you go. I was pushing the 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 whole, hey, it's let's like, automate our docs thing. and It's kind of like everybody has to do your taxes, and then engineers need to follow specs. <laughs> yeah, and write specs. Oh, gross. Oh, so, yeah, I'm I'm going to probably spend the next two or three months working on api docs so that's that's my life Woo for a while yay <laughs> so but um you know it's been we've had we had we just had another major uh qa release yesterday so that was a that was a big thing and it was there was a lot of in this round a lot of cleanup and automation and getting rid of old cruft and and junk like that so it was a, it was actually a really exciting thing for me cuz i love simplifying things so um that was that was really nice to see um but anyway that's you know kind of kind of my life at the moment working on docs we <laughs> so all right so let's get into the meat of this show so this was uh this was a thing that that you had kind of broached this we were thinking of topics and um I guess you were kind of interested in this. Now we haven't, you and I haven't talked to each other about this really. Uh, we're going to kind of talk this out on the show, but um, I, I guess the first thing I want to find out from you is what does leaving the cloud mean to you? Well, I mean, first I'm taking it from the David Hennemeyer handsome post, right? Why we're leaving the cloud. So basically and he has his own perspective on it. It's basically not relying on AWS to run everything or their services or even the Google equivalent or the 
or the Microsoft equivalent, you know, they all have their cloud services. Right. So I think it means using less services. I, I mean, to a lot of people, the cloud means the internet. <laughs> Leaving the cloud <laughs> ring. So, nice, <laughs> so I think before he wrote this, leaving the cloud, I think a lot of people equated the cloud with the internet. And it's not that they're leaving the internet. It's right. that they're just choosing not to go with a um, single provider cloud, I guess you'd call it, you know, because Amazon has their cloud of infrastructure. They're leaving that one domain of cloud because you can, and this is what they're doing and planning to do, is get a co-hosting uh, arrangement, well, co-location hosting. So you just find a place that says, hey, we're a, someone's opened a business and says, hey, we have server racks and we connected up to high-speed internet and we have security. <laughs> so there you go. Rent a server. Exactly. Or here's a rack, you buy the server, you ship it to us, we stick it in and you just Rent you're renting space. space. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of like a <laughs> mobile a, home park. Renting, yeah. It's like renting a storage facility for your exactly. servers. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just somewhere to keep them and then they give you access to the internet and then, you know, yeah. that's it. And, but as a consequence of that, you know, there's, well, we'll get, get into more depth, but in terms of leaving the cloud, it doesn't mean leave the internet, which again, the cloud most people equated with that, but it's more so what he's talking about, leaving basically a single company, being emboldened to a single company that's taking care of your whole infrastructure. Right. And yeah, and so what I was kind of taking from his um, his write-up on that was the concept of kind of moving your hosting facilities more in-house, maybe not 100% in-house, but more of it in-house than just everything is hosted out in amorphous things. We've we've got some physical hardware here in-house that we're putting some of our stuff on, um, which is not but a actually, foreign concept not, to us. Actually, he's not, my understanding is he's not proposing doing that at all. Doing in-house from the perspective of they have to manage relationships with companies to run the servers. In other words, they're not going to be in their headquarters. The servers aren't right. going to be their headquarters. They're but paying the, two or three co-location facilities to house the servers for them. Right. But the server management and and the server um, they're utilization, that all that stuff is coming in-house. It's not just, hey, deploy and you take care of where all the hardware goes. I mean, it's getting closer to the metal. So while they don't actually have a server room in their in their headquarters with actual servers in it, they're taking on a lot of a lot more of that management of the hosting stuff in house. Um, Seb says, "When when would one benefit from leaving the cloud versus going into the cloud?" Well, that's kind of the the whole conversation here now. So. Yep. That's a good good segue. Um, so, what are what are some of the reasons that people, that companies would leave the cloud? So, the number one reason that 
I think that they listed is basically cost. Mm -hmm. So for example, they have to have a team of people who are constantly analyzing their, when they were in AWS or wherever they are, were analyze the cost structures, make sure that things are operating optimally. And even though like Jeff Bezos invested in Basecamp or 37 signals, even though they have the ear of him, a lot of times, and they're getting super reduced rates, they're still spending gobs and gobs of money on it. Mm -hmm. So there's investment, there's management time involved, whereas maybe you don't have to do as much as the nitty gritty technical work. But really, they already had people that were able to do some of that technical work. Right. And that's that's one of the things that I, not only that I saw in his article, but I see that where I work now. You're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul there. Yeah, I don't have to have the hardware management in-house, but now I have to have the cloud infrastructure management in-house because it's not like I can just turn everything over to AWS. You know, we, we run on some AWS and I we've got teams or, of people that do nothing but deal with that. Or if you want to do that, be prepared to pay through the nose because, you know, right. they're not going to optimize your stuff running on there for you because mm -hmm. it's to their benefit for you to be, no offense, to be running in an unoptimized state so you pay a bigger bill. Right. So, so they have to... They had to invest a lot of time in order to optimize it. Yeah. Reduce their spend. Right. And so when would you benefit? Well, I mean, I, you know, the question on cost of when you would benefit is if you're a smaller company, you probably get more benefit out of going to the cloud because you're trading off expensive uh, IT management functionality for less expensive um, cloud management, but there will come a tipping point where your, your cloud infrastructure is so complex that you are spending more money on that now than you would if you had it in house. So I'd say on the cost factor, it kind of depends on the size of, um, the company and what you can afford to bring in house. Yeah. So. I was looking at this and in terms of the benefits of leaving the cloud or whatever, it's like when you're first starting out, relying on someone to manage the servers and a lot of the infrastructure, I, I guess relying more on services, I think helps you move faster and you don't have to learn as much to get started. Meaning like instead of setting up your Postgres database yourself, you get RDS right. instead of setting up your own Nginx HA proxy load balancer, you just click a button and say, add Amazon load balancer. Instead of setting up an Nginx server and or a caddy server to receive traffic and get it configured and SSL certs and all of that kind of stuff, you use CloudFront. Mm -hmm. So you use services in these providers and that is a much more inexpensive way to get up and started. Right. inexpensive because one, you don't have to have all that knowledge. Mm -hmm. You just be a developer and just kind of click around and do things. Or, you know, I'm talking about the big ones, but even like, um, uh, 
I'll, I'll get back to the, that in a second. But you don't have to invest the knowledge. And then two, the costs are ridiculously low when you don't have that much going on, when you have smaller servers. Right. Yeah, because trying to front load the hardware and the cost of that hardware is, I mean, that's a big expense if you want to get the hardware yourself, whereas renting space on somebody else's hardware is much less expensive up front. Yeah, like, for example, um, yeah, I'm not ready to, quote unquote, leave AWS because my costs have not reached that tipping point. Yeah. I'll go back to that in a second. But, you know, what you have to think about is if you want to leave, one, you have to have the knowledge. Do you have the knowledge to be able to set up all of these things yourself or use tools that help do that, like Ansible or Terraform or things of that nature? Do you have sufficient knowledge to get those set up and set them up securely? And two, the expense of paying for a colocation facilities because mm -hmm. they're paying for a part of a rack. You know, you're talking, you're probably going to want to have it in two different, at least two different locations because it's easy as pie to set up a server in one availability zone in AWS and a server in another availability zone and then have them, like if you're talking databases, replicate data across. So if one whole availability zone goes down, you still have all your data. Well, you probably want to mimic that. Mm-hmm yourself so you're talking probably two low two co-location facilities so you have to have part of a rack in each one and i was looking at some costs you know and you're probably talking for the co-location alone at least 500 if not a thousand dollars to have space for a couple of servers and two co-location hosting areas and i was literally googling inter a fun Fun, interesting thing. I was literally Googling um, cheap co-location <laughs> facilities, and I saw Joe's data center. I'm like, I oh, love boy. that. <laughs> I can just imagine this little oak plank shack on the beach somewhere with a couple of servers in it. <laughs> no, but it's it has a little picture of it, and they're in Kansas City. I'm like, okay, I, I get that. Joe just went out and started a business doing <laughs> yeah. server hosting. That's pretty awesome. So, uh, you know, so 500,000, probably minimal $1,000 for just having the servers. And then you need to buy the servers or you can still lease them. And, you know, you're talking so many grand. So I would think you would want to be... I think in order to make the switch to do it yourself, ignoring knowledge base, but just to get servers set up in a co-location, paying for it with sufficient bandwidth and power to run something, I think you got to be have at least two thousand dollars a month in the budget as as a minimum is, is is my opinion. Well, yeah. Well, not to mention the fact that you actually have to have the capital to purchase the hardware in the first place. No, you can lease them. You can lease them. Well, so I mean, I got, yeah, I guess you payment. Could, but yeah, so you can rent them just like you're renting from AWS, but with a premium. So Seb says, do you observe increased interest of leaving the cloud across companies after 37 signals announced they are going to do it? 
I haven't personally observed that. I, I've yeah, I've I observed think... more conversation around what it means to be in the cloud, but I haven't seen a bunch of companies jumping ship on that because it's a I mean it's a big investment. They already invested all this money to get into the cloud. <laughs> right. Now you, now you want me to leave? <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, I mean the th So cost is kind of an easy thing to to um objectify, right? I can I can see exactly what I'm spending. I can compare it to what I would spend if I was doing co-location. And I can I can probably, if I'm a company that big, I can probably have a pretty reasonable estimation of how much I'm going to spend on on internal uh, bringing that stuff in house and the the man hours I'm going to have to use for that versus the man hours I have to use to manage the cloud stuff, right? So I suspect that the the cost thing is an argument that can be made, but there's a lot of other things that are just costs that are kind of hidden from the from the front end things like for instance what do you do with all the people who you've hired who are AWS specialists and they are really really good at running cloud infrastructures but they've never run in-house infrastructures or set up actual physical servers before or or you know, done that kind of stuff and they're used to AWS. You've got to, there's, there's retraining that's going to be involved. I don't care how good they are. They're, they're, it's a different environment. So you've got to learn new stuff there. So there's retraining involved. There's the time to actually convert that stuff over. Then you've got, could potentially have business interruptions as you're doing the conversions and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, it's not just like, hey, I want to drop the cloud. Let's go buy some servers. It's it's a big deal. And if you're even thinking about this thing, you're probably a fairly large business that where you're talking about millions of dollars of costs involved. I can't yeah, imagine I mean, like a like a small shop saying, yeah, it's time for us to leave the cloud. I, I don't see them getting to a tipping point like that. It's just not. No, worth I mean, well, I mean, it's it's it doesn't have to be millions of dollars either. I'm saying, I think you can start experience. I think it is around like a two thousand dollars a month is when I think you could. Where I think it might be the tipping point, two to three thousand dollars a month in expenses on one of the cloud providers at, at which you could go off and perhaps do it, at the same cost or a little bit less. And then the benefits accrue from there. Uh, maybe. I'm not... Yes, at a $2,000 a month book cost, you could probably start seeing some savings because that's offset by the, the difference in hosting prices versus co-location prices and that kind of stuff. But if you're a small shop, even if you're at the, the mark of $2,000 a month that you're spending on hosting you still have to take into consideration all those things that you were talking about before where, okay, now I have to get all this management that I don't have the payroll well, for. You have to have the knowledge base. If you don't have the knowledge base, then yeah, it doesn't make sense. 
Right. Well, even if you personally have the knowledge, you you also need thirty hours well, you a day to do least, all that stuff. <laughs> well, you need a yeah, but you need more than one person. Yeah. That's that can do the operations. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, there's there's, I I can't see a smaller shop. Well, what, getting what a, a lot of well, all right. So let's say we're a. Let's say we're a shop that does maybe a total of a million dollars in gross revenue a year, right? I don't think we're going to be at a level uh, where my costs for um, for cloud hosting would come close to what it would cost me to bring stuff in-house. Even with co-location. Yeah, I think from the person, yeah, I think because I, I agree with you on that from the personnel perspective. Because you do, if you're going to be doing this yourself, like running your own servers, you're going to need redundancy in not, not right. only the knowledge, but redundancy of that knowledge in at least two or three people that know what's going on. Right. And you are... Because um, AWS, you can buy support contracts. Of course, those can get pricey as well, but I'm just saying... You can pay for all of that on there. And again, when you're small, the cost is not as significant. Right. And so, yeah, and I was also reading an article on on this um, earlier today. And it, it's written by a company that's, I think, trying to sell um, on-site services for stuff. So, of course, they're going to be a bit biased. But... They were talking about the different reasons why you might want to leave the cloud. And one of the things that they brought up were um, security issues and regulatory compliance issues, which, okay, it makes kind of sense. Okay, so the regulatory compliance thing can be a factor if you're a really big company doing financial stuff. Um, you might be better off bringing some things in-house than having them in the cloud. Or you're going to have to spend a lot of money to make sure things are secure in the cloud. The security issues, I'm not sure I'm sold on because I don't see how having stuff in-house would be any more secure than having stuff at AWS unless you have your own white hat security team. Yeah, you uh, got to have a lot of... If you have regulatory things, if you have high security considerations, I would think then it's going to be even longer before you can leave the cloud because they've done so much work to, you know, achieve those, whoops, you know, achieve those regulations or, or what's the term? Um, comply with those regulations. Right. And achieve so, HIPAA compliance and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, like PCI compliance is not, it's what, a 400-page document or some full PCI compliance. It's its insanely complex. You don't want to take that in-house unless you've got an entire team of people that can do just nothing but that. Or you outsource that portion, and, and this is the cost judgment. Right. Do we pay AWS to do it all, or do we pay, hire this third party? Frank's PCI services and he comes in and does the compliance and audits for you and whatnot right. on your own infrastructure. 
so you know they were they were talking about that stuff and I'm like yeah I'm not buying that because that's you know and then they one of the one of the things they said is no access to bleeding edge hardware um I thought that was the what point is, yeah I mean the, these cloud companies oh, are replacing oh, the hardware oh, all the time but uh, well nah, well a lot of times but, they're long in the tooth yeah but still if it does what I need it to do. What is bleeding edge hardware by me? Unless I'm doing like online gaming or something where I need, you know, heavy duty graphics processors or something. I I, I don't get that. Um Well, I, I I agree with that. I mean I agree that you can get yourself better hardware at a better price sure. if you're buying it yourself. Sure. Well, better price for the hardware itself, but then you have to factor in the costs of the management and the, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm Yeah. But I'm right. saying that hardware argument, I buy that. So I think, you know, that listing out all these reasons why you might want to leave the cloud, any one of them in isolation may be uh, pretty convincing. But if you start looking at it as a holistic thing, I don't think there's going to be a lot of companies where it would make sense. Now, well, 37 signals, it made sense. And, the, and, he, and he was able to justify all the reasons, but that's 37 signals is not a typical company. Well, I th there, every company large, well, I would say every medium company that I interact with as a consultant, they're constantly talking about and wary of AWS costs. So I know that is well, a sure. pain that's out there. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, taken in isolation, I'd be, I'd be worried about that too. But if, but what's the alternative, right? Running your own stuff. Right. But how much, how much expense does that incur? I mean, that's not going to be cheap. It's well, here's the, here's the thing. So, and this is part of the reason, another part of the reason I wanted to discuss this is that you can reduce your cloud spend based upon how you run in someone's cloud. Mm -hmm. Meaning that, and this is the approach that I've taken, meaning that you have acquired sufficient knowledge so you don't have to run RDS, so that you can run on just a bare metal EC2 instance with your database server. Right. And you you run your own Nginx configured using tools. You don't use um, some of their services for everything. You can use Nginx as a load balancer. You don't use their load balancer. So if you use less of their services, you can run much more cheaply. Because mm -hmm. you're and just I... using them as file storage on S3 because that stuff is cheaper than dirt <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and just buy some servers from them and that's pretty much what i'm there are a few services that i do use like for example i love their route 53 weighted routing because that's how i'm able to have multiple front-end servers basically mm -hmm. go to an ip address and it can hit any one of my front-end servers from my application that's pretty awesome but what i also do is I say, okay, if this goes down, what's my alternative? In other mm -hmm. words, I always have a backup plan. 
and well is it what was it is it cloudflare is that the big or what oh shoot no the company that is it i mean cloudflare is a thing uh yeah yeah it's cloudflare so they have the exact same thing so if i don't like aws i want to move it out of aws aws i could move elsewhere to another cloud potentially or whatever but use cloudflare to do that same service right well, and I think that's so the approach that's to take. That's a way to run expen ex ex that's a way to run inexpensively. Because what how they have things structured is they get you in with a little taste very cheaply. Oh, buy this RDS. And then if you look at the instance sizes as they increase, the costs increase exponentially. Right. So as you grow, that's where they start milking the cow as it were. Yeah. Well, and, and I think rather than, rather than yeah. I think rather than just leaving the cloud, in most cases, it's more beneficial to find ways to run less expensively on the cloud. Bring efficiencies into what you're doing. You know, get rid of things you're not using. We we just went through that at work. There was a lot of old pods and stuff that we had running that, that we we realized we don't really need to be running these things anymore. Let's just get rid of them and, and book the costs, you know. There's no reason to be running this stuff. So, you know, auditing your system to find out if you're just wasting money in places is not terribly difficult. You know, that's a that's an inexpensive way to save money. Um, figuring out, like you said, better ways to um, get cheaper stuff. If I can do this part of it myself, fine, I'll, I'll get the less expensive option and do this part myself. But I don't have to leave the cloud completely to save money there. And I think that's going to be a, a much, much more efficient way to approach it for the majority of companies. And I'd say probably for the majority of small companies, once you hit medium companies, like, or getting at like base camp Hayes level of activity, then I think it's, begs consideration but like there's no way i could like i think i would have to my, my level activity of my app would have to go up a hundred fold before it makes sense for me to even think about it think about co-location and you know all that sort of stuff right so then you got to you got to front front money to hire a team of people to deal with that, right? Well, I mean, you you do want to have some people on staff, but that can always be purchased as a service through other companies. So that's 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 possible. Yeah, but so can but cloud you do hosting. want a couple of people at least a couple, what? <laughs> so can cloud hosting so purchase sure, service sure. through but, other companies but if, yeah. if the if aws or google or microsoft have such a dominant role that they can put extra premiums on something then maybe there are cheaper alternatives out there yeah to con to consider so i I, th I think it's interesting perspective and 
thought experiment when he says leaving the clouds, a thought experiment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For vast majority of small companies, I don't think it makes sense. But well, once you achieve for a vast medium, majority of large companies, I don't think it would make sense. It depends it wouldn't make on sense how much for profit. Us. It depends on how much profit AWS is milking. I mean, yeah, to a point, but because they're making profit off of you, so at at some point, you could potentially save some money. Well, yes, potentially, but I can tell you from like, you know, the the company I work at is really big it's a global company so you know we're at a size where we would be considered a large um user of aws i mean it's it's not small potatoes what we spend on aws every month and it, it would it would absolutely not make sense for us to think about completely leaving the cloud now Going through and tightening up how we're using the cloud, yes, and and we did that, and we continue to do that. But leaving the cloud would just be a massive overhaul for us. So I don't know that even for big companies, while it may make sense on paper from just a purely balance sheet perspective, I think the costs are just going to be too high for any long-term gains to be realized. Well, I mean, I I think I'll I'll disagree with that. But <laughs> just going from the perspective of AWS provides you services and generates a profit. So unless they so therefore you're allowing that profit to be extracted from you could hire similar types of people do the similar similar types of processes and do it yourself. Not that you sh should do that, but I think it's also a consideration. What does a company want to be focused in? Like you don't generate your own power. You choose to pay for that power right. from another company because you're like, I'm not going to specialize in power generation. So you have to make the decision. Is this, do we want this to be a core competency? knowing how to run, run our own stuff, or are we okay outsourcing that and allowing another company to extract a profit from it, but as a benefit, we don't have to focus on it. Right. So I think and, that's- Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the whole service industry in a nutshell. Is but And that's one of the other things I was going to bring up, is the opportunity costs for that are extremely high. So you have to be willing to give up the- the engineering capacity of moving your product forward to come off of the cloud to drop the cloud. So you've got to you got to trade something off there, um, and it's going to be some type of engineering capacity. So, do I use that in engineering capacity to keep moving my product forward faster, or do I pull back on that so that I can make this jump off the cloud because somebody's going to have to do it? And I just think that in most cases, that opportunity cost is just just too high, unless that unless so much of your expense is tied up in cloud hosting, um, that you you just have no other way to 
reduce costs or increase your sales enough to offset the rate at which that increases. So, yeah, I mean, the other thing to keep in mind is that one thing that DH said, DHH said in one of his posts is that AWS's profit margin is almost 30%. So that's the kind of milking that's being done for what they're charging you. They get a 30% profit, which is quite substantial. So yeah. even if it's not leaving the cloud, if people are concerned about their cloud budgets and you are, I would say, a medium or a large company, then maybe you could start exploring. I think absolutely agree with you the first place to check is, hey, can we optimize how we're using it more efficiently? That's the first thing to check. Yeah. Or two, can we do things ourselves and not rely so much on their services, if that makes sense, you know, from a cost perspective, mm -hmm. like get some in-house knowledge on how to run databases as opposed to using RDS or run some of your own things to optimize costs. But apart from that, you could also say, hey, let's try this project off of it to see how it goes. Right. Well, and large companies too, also, you know, to, to kind of argue against myself here, they also may have built core competency teams that they don't realize they have and could be utilizing to pull some of that stuff out of the cloud in-house. They may already have some of those core competencies. So you should examine that too. Not just how can I make what we're doing more efficient, but do I have some core competencies already built into my teams where I could take on part of this cloud management in-house? You know, I don't have to build that core competency. It just happened to be hired already. So let's utilize it, right? Um, I I think the chances, though, of you accidentally hiring in a core competency that you weren't planning on are probably kind of small. <laughs> you know, yes, employees are smart and they have a lot of a lot of talents and stuff and they can develop things and through different experiences, you know, they'll have experience with things that you don't know that they have experience with necessarily. but you know, a whole a whole core competency team to move something like that is not usually an accidental luck in, but it's something you should examine. You know, yeah, because because even if I can just pull the database off and do database management here, right, or something like that, that's still a big big chunk of expenditure. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, I mean, the re main reason that the DHH gave was the costs. Mm -hmm. And that is something I hear from other clients that I work with is watching those costs, watching those costs, watching those costs. Well, especially so I now think with is, inflation the way it is, you know, costs yeah. are important. So I think that's definitely consideration um, as why people want to examine it. But, you know, if, if you choose to do this, then it basically means you now need to, if you, if AWS is extracting too much, then you need to find it elsewhere, that, that yeah. competency, either in people you have on your staff or in third-party providers that can do it at a 
less expensively provide you that same thing and maybe you don't use some of their services. Right. And and there's an you know you kind of brought up a point where there's another reason to want to leave the cloud and that's from a a reason of principles. If you think that your cloud provider is taking advantage of you or overcharging or something and and you say I'm just not going to play this game anymore. But but you have to be willing to take on uh, a lot to be able to do that. But there, I mean, principles is another consideration. Um, how you want to run your company, how you want to interact with other service companies, you know. So, you know, it's it's something to consider. But honestly, I mean, if you're a business, your primary consideration is the bottom line on your balance sheet. So that's that's really where you want to be looking. Um, assuming you want to stay in business, I guess, but, um, but yeah, I just, I, I just don't see this being an overwhelming thing for most businesses because while yes, it's expensive. I think in most cases it's less expensive than, than what it would cost to not be there. It, again, the 30% profit margin. That money's yeah. sitting there. Well, yeah, but I'm not just going to get 30% if I try to bring this in-house because my costs are going to go up a lot. Depends on your level of scale. Well, I mean, yes, there's a there's a whole lot of depends in all of this discussion, but, you know, and for some companies, it may be a good move. I'm just saying I don't see that in a lot of companies' cases. That not that just uh from a cost perspective, but from the opportunity cost perspective, from the headaches, from the you know I think that's more the reason people won't wanna face it, won't wanna do it. Yeah. I just don't want the hassle. Yeah. I mean if it was purely a cost consideration, a monthly monthly expenditure consideration. I think there's a lot of companies that would, you know, flip to black on that, but I, I don't know. I just, I don't, it doesn't seem to me from what I've seen to be worth the the switch at this point, unless you're just starting the company, you know, but if you're well, already people... ingrained in all this. Well, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not advocating, hey, everybody should move off the cloud type thing. Oh, sure. But it's kind of like if these cloud companies can extract that much profit, then at some point something may break and it may look appealing to go off on your own and leave the cloud. But at least at this stage... Again, for small companies, something smaller than what Basecamp Hay is, I don't think it's going to make a lot of sense. Right. Although, think, if they're making 30% profit, then maybe what makes sense is me starting my own cloud hosting company. <laughs> if that's where all the money is, that's... <laughs> there you go. Chris's data center. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, it's, in, it's in a little, you know, plank wood shack on the beach. With my two little servers. Yes, you'll get plenty of customers being right on the coast of Florida. Yeah, 
<laughs> hey, don't worry. Don't worry. I put the servers up on wood pallets so the, the, the tide won't get to them. It's fine. <laughs> I promise. I was looking for insurance coverage for um, for something, and every one of the insurance carriers was asking me, how close are you to the coast? <laughs> Like, uh, uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> I'm in Florida. How far away can you possibly be from the coast? So, yeah. Uh, anyway, but this I found interesting because it got me thinking and looking at because I come from a systems administration background, so I don't mind dealing with this stuff. But, you know, when I was looking at it, running the numbers, I was like, yeah, I got to like It would have to, like I said, probably 100x my level of traffic before it would make sense for me to leave what I'm doing now. Yeah. And then I also wanted to make note of what I do to minimize costs is to try to not use so many of their dedicated services, but just use these base servers they provide and use configuration and tools to, to do that. So kind of so, rent rent the metal rather than the service. Yeah. I mean, they're still virtual, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like well, I'm yeah. paying for their database service. I'm mm -hmm. just buying their, I'm renting one of their servers and putting my own stuff on it. Right. Type thing. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a tough thing to look at. I, I suspect, though, that there aren't going to be a lot of, large businesses looking at this anytime soon because having just come out of covid and all that stuff it's there's a lot bigger fish to fry i think at the moment um i know internally there's a there's a lot of attention being paid to many many things other than what does our cloud hosting cost us so I don't know. I mean, it's like you said, it's a good thought experiment and it's something to think about and pay attention to. I mean, there's probably a lot of efficiencies that can be had if you just look at it a little bit, but um yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tough thing to to do. And you know, we'll see uh what happens in the next couple of years, you know, because 37 yeah. signals said, "Hey, let's change our name to Basecamp, the company name." Mhm. Mm and then a couple of years later like, "Now nah, we're going back to 37 signals." <laughs> right. So, you know, yes. they're, they're not one for reversing viewpoints and perspectives. So, you know, this is their perspective today. Right. And then we'll see a couple of years. They'll, they'll well, do another post. We're, we're going back to the cloud. <laughs> yeah. So we'll let them guinea pig it and, and see how they do. Um, but I am super interested in seeing what tools they're going to be using. Because again, because I take some responsibility for some of my setup of the servers that run in AWS, uh -huh. I'm looking at what kind of tool sets they're they're using. Like for example, I have I've had it on my to do list to look into Kubernetes forever. Yep. Because I'm thinking, well, this is kind of the way everybody's doing it now, and everybody's moving to Kubernetes and pods and yada yada yada. But then. I see his writing and complaining about how complex Kubernetes is to set up and use or whatnot. And as an alternative, they're offering, I guess you pronounce it MRSK, M-R-S-K. 
Yeah. So this is basically they originally, I think, came up with Capistrano. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's the same concept as Capistrano, but using Docker containers. So basically, you build your Makes Docker sense. container, and like Capistrano, it basically deploys your application up to a server. It doesn't do the provisioning of the server, but if you're using Docker containers, the provisioning doesn't have to be as arduous. You know, it's just basically a computer that can run a container. So basically, once you deploy your container, all you have to do is just copy the container up and swap it out for the next container to do upgrades. Hmm. So basically, when you're going to do a deploy, sorry, but you do a commit to your project. Well, you run off a process to rebuild a container. Mm -hmm. And then the deploy process is taking that container, putting it on a server, and swapping it with the running container. And then that's how you do your deploys. See, that makes sense. That's I always liked Capistrano. I like that workflow. So, yeah, simple. so <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm really I'm hearing his complaints about the Kubernetes and its mm -hmm. complexity and hearing Maersk and what they're working on. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I, I hate to say this because probably, I don't know how many other people, but I still use Capistrano for my deployment. <laughs> I, I was using it so until not too long I'm ago. Consider, I'm super interested in looking at what he's doing with Maersk because maybe I want to move, start using that. Yeah, the only reason I stopped using Capistrano is because I got this job where they're they're using Kates and they have all their deploy scripts and I just run that and I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I ain't swimming upstream here. This it's not worth it. But um, yeah, I used Capistrano for a long time. Loved it. Had complete control over how my deploys were going. It was simple to understand. It's 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 a straight flow. There's not a lot of moving around, and it was just easy. So, and and Mersk Mersk should be even simpler, because once you have your container built or your process for building your container, you just do a commit, put in a container put the container on the server and swap it with the existing running container and you're live on the next version. Yeah. So. Welcome to the Capistrano chat. So you're on that too, huh? Good on you, Seb. I mean, I, you know, it works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I don't know why so many people were down on Capistrano, but apparently it, I don't well, know. I, I guess, I guess just, it just there, wasn't the new. newer stuff. Yeah, exactly. it wasn't the new hotness anymore so but i'm not the new hotness i'm still okay i think um, i'm neither new nor hot so there you go <laughs> uh anyway on that note uh <laughs> i think we've we've beat that topic enough so um why don't you take us on out all right thank you everyone for joining us uh, we are having another episode next Thursday afternoon. That episode will be on Rhoda with Jeremy Evans. So yep. if you want to find more out about that, definitely join us next week, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday. Um, sorry, one more comment came in. 
This is, yeah, kind of missed times when Dez just knew everything and just spun up whatever and enjoy. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, maybe security considerations kind of prevent some of that from happening. Probably why I'm back into hobby programming more now, so I can just have that <laughs> little feeling again. All right. So um, you can check out all our episodes at rubberduckdevshow.com. You can sign up for your for our email, email list there, um, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube or Twitch. You could also follow us at Ducky Dev Show. And I guess that's about it, right? Yep. Tuesday, I should be back with a coding with Chris. I had to cancel this week because, you know, work, Worky McWorkerson showed up, but um, should be back Tuesday, get my game programming on. So, All right. So on that note, happy programming. Happy programming.